Hey guys, I've been gone for a while because this next topic that I've had in my heart for a while is a rough one for me anyway. So let's start at the beginning. I don't usually talk about the Bible in a public way, but for today, for this topic, we are... So, we are talking about Luke, Luke 15, 11, and there's a story there about, well, the story is called The Prodigal Son, um, and you'll see how it relates in a minute, but God was talking to um, people about sinners. And he gave an example of a man that had two sons. And they, the younger son came to him and said that he would have liked his inheritance. Um, <coughs> so the father divided the inheritance. And gave it to him. And he says that a few days after. He left. And went. I guess to live his life wherever he was. Uh, And he went. Spent all his money. And then. Of course after. He didn't have none. No money. Nothing. Um, He got a job feeding pigs and then he was so broke that he would eat what the pigs ate um eventually he decided to go home and apologize to his parents or sorry his dad I don't know if the mom was living um he doesn't say in this story but he went home and apologized to his parents to his dad and um then there was a big party because the the son came back and that's what it's called the prodigal son now the oldest son was jealous because um his father had never thrown a party for him for coming back and the father gives an example of how his brother was dead and now he's not. I guess dead to the family, I'm guessing. Um, and then his father said, Son, thou art with me, and all that I have is thine. So, everything that he had built from then on from the time that he divided the inheritance on would be the oldest brothers because he had always stuck it out with the father and had never left his sight and he says um, that he should be happy and glad because his brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and now is found 
Now, the reason I give you the short version of this story is, first of all, even though this story is very beautiful, it, it, I give you this as an example of what I'm going to talk about today, um, of toxic relationships. Um, so how we connect the two together is, so we as teenagers, we as adults even, we go and do the things that we think are right, uh, regardless of what our parents say, what our teachers say, what the church says. I mean, we just do what we think should be done. And then... Let's say we make a mistake, which we're all going to. I mean, we're all sinners, right? And then who do you go to? Think about it. Who do you go to when the world falls apart or something you really wanted it to work out does not? Or you just, you know doesn't have to be bad it could be anxiety it could be depression it could be um a failed marriage anything um the answer to me would be your parents or your close people but what happens when your parents are toxic and you go to them and instead of them supporting you even with words of encouragement um they just belittle you and um trying to do this very tactfully uh Basically, your parents are not there for you like they should be. And I also say there are no perfect parents. So let me put that out there. There's no perfect parent who's going to get it right 100% of the time. Anyways. So. Let me tell you a bit about my childhood. I was raised a Seventh-day Adventist and my dad my biological father was a pastor and my birth mom was a professor in a college and um, well you know as a child you think you got it all together and I mean I thought I had a pretty awesome childhood. But anyways, digression. So, you grow up. You meet the person you think you're supposed to be with for the rest of your life. And you're happy, right? Right, isn't that how life goes? Wrong. So, when I was eight years old, we moved out of my home country and came to the US when I was 10 years old we moved to uh, Tennessee 
and shortly after that, I was beginning to be sexually abused by my father, by my biological father, the pastor, right? Um, that went on for two years, and... Of course, you're scared that people are not going to believe you when you say it. And you're 10 years old to eventually 11, eventually 12. You get tired of it. And so you tell your neighbor because, well, what 12-year-old knows how to handle that situation, right? So you tell your neighbor and you tell her you do not tell anybody because I'm not ready to tell anybody. I mean, just telling that neighbor was really difficult, right? So, eventually, one day in school, I snapped, I guess, I don't know. And I went to find a friend, and there was this teacher that I freaking loved. She was a science teacher. And I brought my friend over and we talked to her outside. We had um, portables at the time. We had the main school and then we had overflow, which was in portables. Um, not going to say the teacher's name, but anyway. Um, we went outside, outside with her, outside of the portable. And so I told her what was going on. And so, of course, DCS was called. And um, I was sat down and talked to with the translator because my first language is Spanish. So they wanted me. To understand, to make sure I understood everything that was being said. And they wanted to get everything correctly. So, eventually we go home. And so DCS goes in first and I'm waiting in a van. And... Anyway, my biological father moves out that day, I believe, because there's an investigation that's going to happen. So, me and him cannot be in the same house while this investigation is happening. So, from my understanding, he moved out. Anyways, as a 12-year-old... Having your mother tell you every single day that if you're lying, it's okay to tell the truth. That you're not going to get in trouble. That if you're lying, just tell me. But in your head, you know what the truth is. And you feel alone because you're 12. And... Well, yeah, you're 12. I mean, how do you handle deep stuff like that when the person who's supposed to help you through it 
just thinks you're lying, right? So, however much timeline went by, eventually DCS closed the case. It was unfounded because I was not penetrated. Apparently, you have to physically get raped to be able to get away from a person. Um, anyways, so he came back. Of course, my parents took me to, my parents took me and my brothers swimming. I remember this to this day. I was called over to the truck and I was asked in front of him. If it was okay for him to move back in. Me being, you know, probably still 12, maybe 13, who knows. I said, well, it's your decision. Because, you know, you're my mother, right? Because you think your mother's going to make the right decision, right? She's going to protect me, right? Right? I mean, you would think so. And then that does not happen. We were dropped off back at home. And he goes away like he usually does. And she sits me down at a table and says, your dad's going to get his stuff to move back in. And I just broke down. I feel like here is this person who's supposed to have a best interest at heart and... You just allowed the person who hurt me the most to have easy access to me. Like, that is really how it felt. Like, you just... Feels like you've been punched in the gut. Literally. So, you know, what do you do? You move back in. Her house, her rules, right? So, it did not happen again. After um, he moved back in. But I believe by then I was in high school. Um, my parents recommitted themselves to each other. It wasn't a wedding, but it was like a... Renewal of your vows, if you will, ceremony. And you know how the pastor says that there's still cause for these two not to be joined together. Yeah, well, I wanted to scream at the top of my lungs the reason. But how do you do that? When your mother obviously chose your father. Like... <laughs> You just get tossed around like a little toy. Like, you're not wanted and I'll do what I want because I'm a grown-up. So, eventually, when I got to high school, for sure, I remember this. I had a favorite teacher also in high school. And he was just like that grandpa that you could go to and talk to about anything. And I think God put me in that class for that reason. Because... I really had no business in that class. 
But anyways. Um. So one day I went into his office. And I specifically said. I needed advice. This happened when I was younger. He lives with me again. And no it's not happening again. But I don't feel safe. In my own house. I feel like it's going to happen again. I can't sleep. You know I'm just basically in distress like the younger version of distress as a teenager as you could be right so he called dcs and mind you this was not one time dcs kept putting him out kept coming to the house and telling your biological mother He cannot be here. And somehow your mom keeps taking him back. So. Eventually the way I understand it. Or it was said to me. Again I don't know because I was too young. And DCS didn't tell me this specifically. This came from her. Um, Eventually. They were like, alright, it's either your kids or your husband. Like, you're going to have to choose. So, eventually, she chose us. Even though he was still kind of hanging around in the background. Um, And I'm skipping over a lot of, like, petty stuff that happened in between. But anyways... Eventually, they got a divorce because they couldn't be together. Um, And eventually, I believe she says she believed me, but by this time, it was too late. My feelings of anger and feeling abandoned and feeling like you literally have nobody in this world we're already there so I dated a lot not that sounds bad I dated a lot but not because of the people like I literally dated I didn't like I wasn't in a relationship with these people. I dated a lot because I was looking for that love. Now I know. For that love that I did not have as a child or did not feel as a child. Eventually, me and Paul met. We were actually with different people. Paul's my ex-husband, by the way. Uh, We were with different people at the time. We only saw each other that one time. And a year later, he had broken up with that person and I had broken up with my person. And a year later, um, we found each other again. And I do believe with my whole heart, now I'm skipping a few chapters, but I do believe in my whole heart that even though I am no longer in that marriage that I was supposed to find him and learn 
a lot about myself, learn a lot about family, what a family actually is, um, learn a lot about love and sacrifice and unconditional love and I don't know. I just, I feel like I've learned a lot during that marriage. Were we right for each other? Now, me looking back, no. But I believe I was supposed to be where I was at that time. Um, fast forward, we started having issues. And when you have issues, who do you usually go to? You go to a best friend, which I did not have because I was a freaking workaholic. And, or, your parents. Well, my dad's already out of the equation. I have not talked to him in years by then. And my mother, of course, I went to her. Takes guts to go to your parents and be like, My marriage is just not going as good as I thought. And blah, 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 blah. And you expect your parents to be there, right? Because that's what they do. They're there. Again, even if not like, here's this thing, at least listening and advice and blah, 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 blah. When instead of advice or listening ear or, you know, helping me get out of the situation, all I got is, well, good luck. Pretty much. That kind of sums it up. Well, good luck. So, I overstayed. Which, again, now me looking back, I don't regret that. But, that's what happened. So, I overstayed. And, eventually, we separated. And we went our different ways. I had another lesson to learn. Another person I dated after Paul. Who was not supposed to be in my life forever. And his name was Landon. And that went horrible. Really bad. <laughs> Again, I think I was supposed to be with him for that lesson. Um... Anyways, so, then when I came back from that relationship, I called my parent, my only parent, at the time, and she's like, okay, come on, come to the house. So, I went to the house, she fed me dinner, she let me do my laundry, and then she was like, okay, you gotta go. And I'm like, huh, what? Come again? She said, there's no room for you here. So you got to find your own place. Now mind you, I just came from another state. Back to Tennessee. I had quit my job to go to the other state. And... The only people that I knew were my ex's family. Like, I really did not have an out. And so, I 
panicked. I texted my scheduler at the time where I used to work. And I was like, hey, can you put me back on the schedule? I mean, she answered quickly and was like, yeah, I'll put you back on the schedule. When do you want to start? And then she told me when I was starting. So that's one. I had a job. And mind you, my mother lived or lives in a three-bedroom house with a living room and a bonus room. But there's no room for me. Anyways, so I folded my clothes up and one of my co-workers that I did not know that well, by the way, I called her and was like, hey, remember that one time when you said if I needed to get away, I could come to your house and stay for a little, so I'll, I'm going to have to get away and come a little. I said, okay. Well, I'm working today, so we're going to have to meet in the morning. Well, I didn't have anywhere to go in between, so I just went to work and sat there for 12 hours until she was done. Um, thankfully, she took me in. And, um, then that ended up not working out. So... I moved out of there into a hotel and then it got expensive and the reason it got so expensive is because I had a bunny Fluffy and I was not willing to give Fluffy up because Fluffy was the only thing I had in this life. And I know it sounds funny, but when you have someone that is a furry thing that loves you unconditionally, no matter how broken you are, you hang on to that thing. So, you know, I was working, so my coworkers started seeing me coming with all my belongings to work and they were like why is your car so packed up and blah 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 blah. well this guy and his wife um well he was a nurse where he used to work and him and his wife had an extra bedroom because their son was away at college so they had that extra room while he was away at college they were like Well, the male nurse was like, let me talk to my wife, and we'll see what we can arrange. So, I moved in, and everything was good for a while. Uh, Eventually, I went to my doctor, and I was like, I need help. I'm not okay. Um, So, then I was put on Celexa. Now, if you know anything about medication, sometimes it agrees with you or it doesn't. Um, so, the theory behind Selexa was we already knew that I had depression. So, the Selexa would deal with the depression and the anxiety in one pill instead of having to take two pills. So, I tried the Selexa for a little bit and then it just 
did not agree with me. So, December 2017, I ended up in psych. Which, at the moment, I thought it was the worst thing ever. But now, me looking back, I've learned a lot about myself. So much. I mean, I appreciate that week of um, me just going away and taking care of myself. So, I went to psych, came back out, called my job. I was like, I'm out now. Of course, I had all the right documentation and um so I got my job back after being gone a week with no notice and I went back to the place where I was living with them and they did not know where I was either of course because they kind of take you take your phone so I didn't have their number memorized So, they just didn't know where I was for a week. Um, Shortly after that, it was still cold outside. So, it must have been maybe January. Um, Maybe February? I don't know. There was a night that I had off. And... I was having really back... Really bad back pain. And now me looking back, it was my sciatic nerve. And so I live with the nurse, right? But I'm not going to wake him up. Like, it's both of our days off. His wife is at work. We all worked nights, but... She worked downtown, so we didn't have the same schedule. Um, so, he's asleep. I randomly come out to the bathroom for, you know, using the bathroom, and he's up. So, I ask him, you know, I've never had sciatic pain before, so I don't know what it feels like. I didn't even know that's what it was. So, I pointed out the area that it hurt at and he wanted to examine the area which it's common if you go to a doctor or if you have a nurse practitioner or whatever and you tell them you have a problem well they have to look at the problem site right so to me that part was not weird because he's an RN so of course he has to look at my back so First, he started feeling my back, and then he was talking about how sciatic nerve pain goes down from your back to your bottom area and down to your legs and so forth, except that his hands kept getting lower and lower and lower. Um, so, eventually, I froze, and I literally froze. It was me, it was him, me, and a counter. And I froze. I did not know what to do. I was an icicle. I don't... I mean... I don't know where I was. Because I just stared at a window. For what seemed like forever. Um... I take it... I don't know how long before that... 
I had asked my birth mother if I could stay with her to save enough money to then get my own place, right? But that was impossible. So here I am getting sexually abused again because of choices that other people made. Um, so eventually he tells me to go lay down on the couch. I'm walking like a robot because I do not know how to talk, breathe, or, you know, run away, or my legs don't work. Like, (laughs) this guy could easily take me over. Like, he could knock me down. Like, there's guns in this house. Like, (laughs) somebody tells you to get on the couch, you get on that darn couch. You know? So... He started talking to me about how sexual abuse, it's stupid, it's not a real thing, and if you weren't penetrated, then it's not abuse, and blah, 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 blah. He was drunk, by the way. So, eventually, I'm like, oh, I forgot I was going to meet my co-worker for breakfast, and I'm about to be late. Was that the truth? Hell no. But that's the only thing I could think about to get out of the situation. So I was like, I really gotta go. So I packed up a bag. Just like an overnight bag. And I left for quote unquote breakfast. And then Who do you think you would call when life goes wrong? Your birth mother, right? (laughs) Wrong. Remember the birth mother that was not there for you before all this shit happened? Well, you call a person who has never failed you. Who, despite of divorce or no divorce, has been there for you. And that is your ex-mother-in-law. So, I called her, and I am bawling. I mean, she cannot understand what I am saying. And so, her house is in my rearview mirror, and I'm driving the other way. I am going out of town. I am going two hours away. I am leaving Dodge, and I am coming back today. So... (laughs) I show up. Oh, by then I was dating someone else. I was dating my current husband. Who, poor guy, I don't know how he stayed with me. But anyway, um, I show up at his doorstep. He worked nights. Believe at the time he worked thirds. So, he was asleep. And I show up, knock on the door, he wakes up and answers, and then he finds me in a puddle of my own tears and stays up to halfway understand what is happening right now. Because again, he was asleep. And so, I haven't slept all night. I don't know what time he went to bed that day. And 
So, we lay down because I really need to sleep. I just drove two hours. So, I... We go to sleep. And then he, his alarm goes off. I wake up in a strange house. I wake up crying because of I just woke up and remembered what just happened. And he has to go to work. Well, I did not know his mother as well as I do now. So I left too when he did. And I went to my mother's house. Not my birth mother, but my mother. Um, The difference here being birth mother is the one who pushed me out. Then pushed me away. And um, my mother being the person who's actually there for me no matter what. Even when I make her mad. Um, so I go to her house. I think we had talked about it beforehand. And she had an RV that she and her brother inherited. But it wasn't being used. It was just in the property. And, um, I could stay there until I saved up enough money or figured out what the next move was. So I stayed there for a couple of months till it got warm. And then, by then, me and my boyfriend at the time were serious enough. And that is how I ended up moving down here to Columbia. And I was in bad shape, guys. Like, bad mental shape. So I... With the encouragement of my boyfriend at the time, I got help. I got a hold of Center Stone down here. And I started the process of getting my medication back and talking to a counselor and um, going back to church and actually speaking about what was hurting me and what had hurt me. And building relationships. And literally like a fresh start. With people who did not know anything about me. So that is how we're here today. And how this relates back to the prodigal son story. Is that sometimes... You do go away for a while. You make your mistakes. And you come back. And your parents are. Waiting for you with open arms. And some people don't have that. Some people have very toxic parents. Who just like to point out. All the things he did wrong. And no advice on how to get it right. So. The Bible does speak on. um, Honoring your parents and I had an issue with that I think that was my biggest issue of why I was still around my birth mom and because of that verse and then I went to counseling a Christian counselor pastor person (laughs) I was going through premarital counseling and I made a separate appointment 
and I met up with him about, um, it was about my wedding invitations. Do I invite her or not to my wedding? And basically, he said, the Bible says you honor your, your parents, but does, does not mean that you have to put up with abuse, mental, physical, um, or otherwise. So, honoring your parents means you don't go on your everyday life and just trash them. Honoring means that you forgive. You don't forget, obviously, but you forgive for yourself. Um... You talk about it when it's appropriate, but not inner trashing. I'm trying to ruin your life. Um, type of way. So that is where I found peace at. Is yes, this happened. Yes, this, this is the parents that I was originally given, and they suck. And they are the worst parents ever. But God gave them to me for a reason. So I'm going to honor that. Um, and to this day, I do not speak with them. Um, and I'm at peace with that. I am very okay with that. Now that I'm having twins, I'm having my own children, I don't know what my parenting style is going to be like because I didn't have a great example growing up so I'm starting from scratch just I mean just like a new parent you're starting from scratch but really with no valuable examples on how to get it right but every way of you know how to get it wrong and so you consciously make that decision of I'm going to do my darnest to make sure I am not that parent. Um, I do have three stepkids. And in a way that has been put into practice already. Um, because if you're a parent and I'm kind of a parent already, sort of. Um... They come to you and they tell you stuff that you are not necessarily in agreement with or not something that you would do or not a lifestyle that you would choose. And instead of judging and throwing the Bible at them or saying there's something wrong with you, um, if you turn to the Bible, he says that not only for your children, but just for the world in general we're not supposed to judge and we're supposed to love one another so my biggest takeaway from those two things are that yes children are going to make mistakes because we're human and we, we make mistakes every single day and yes my children are going to come to me and tell me X, Y, and Z. But. 
God doesn't call me to judge them. God calls me to be those open arms that they can come and say anything to you. And you're not going to be mad. You're going to accept them how they came to you. You're going to pray about it. And you're going to tell them, look, I'm not God. I might not necessarily be proud of what you did or how you handle this or blah, 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 blah. But I love you anyway. I don't like what you did. Or I don't like the decisions you're making. But I love you anyway, regardless. Because that's what God put us on this earth to do. Not only for our children, but for each other so how that relates to toxic parenting is I love my parents and I'm letting them go and my life is better without them in it I have seen that I have more than enough of what I need I have parents who I can call up and be like I'm having a hard day or you know this pregnancy has been horrible and I can just call my mother and be like, Mom, blah, 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 blah. And instead of my mo- my mother now, um, just be like, oh, get over it. You wanted this. My mother now just offers words of wisdom. And that's why I believe that God put this woman and this man and this family in my path so that I could see what a loving supportive mother is does that mean you forget about your childhood no that means you learn from it you take what you can and you leave the rest and you do what's best for you and your new family and the family you're trying to build and anyways I'm going to stop there because a big enough rant but for those of us who don't have a family to come home to like the prodigal son had his father just know that there's always someone in our lives who we're overlooking or who's always been there we just don't notice it or um God himself has always been there and we just haven't let him be there so it's not like you're not coming home to someone you're just not physically coming home to someone God's there when you're doing what you're doing and he loves us anyway he says I don't like what you did but I love you so anyways this is a topic I really really needed to speak on because it's been on my mind for since I did my last podcast I think with the delivery of my children coming soon how many complications I've had and how many things the doctor told me that could be wrong with them because of their complications and how God has come out and showed out and be like, I'm God and I know better. And, you know, 
me as a parent, I don't care if my children come with disabilities or not. I'm going to love them regardless because that's who I am. And that's who God created me to be. And so, before I have children, I needed to let out those emotions and hopefully help someone who has toxic parents or toxic family. Um, I know my experiences with toxic parents, but you could really apply this to any relationship, even friendships, in their own way. Um... So anyways, I do not know what I'm going to speak on next because this kind of just happened, but (coughs) I am going to try to make it not such a heavy subject because I know the last one was male infertility because that's just a rough subject and um. So next time I'll try to make it lighthearted. Hopefully, hopefully, if Jesus loves me, <laughs> um, the next one will be about the birth of my children, which is still about four weeks away if it goes the way the doctor thinks. So we'll see what happens, but. I will try not to leave you guys waiting that long. I'm sure. Because I'm in bed doing nothing. (laughs) Anyways, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And remember to love each other even when you don't like each other. Alright, bye guys.